topics, <clears throat> and um, don't know yet how many it'll be. I've got several that uh, I've I've got on the list to deal with, but I want us to look at First Peter chapter two for a moment, and uh, go down to verse number nine, if you will. Very familiar passage. As Peter writes this, he says, "But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation." a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And uh, he talks about this uh, to people that had been unsaved that are now currently saved. And he says there are some very special things about us. Uh, We become a royal priesthood. Uh, he says that we are a holy nation. He talks about the fact that we're to be a peculiar people and uh, that we should show forth the praises of him who have called us. And so uh, there's something unique about being a Christian. There's something unique about trusting Christ as your Savior, and there ought to be a difference. And uh, our Bible uh, primarily is written mainly for two reasons. One is uh, to point us to Uh, the need of salvation. And uh, even throughout the Old Testament, you see uh, everything pointing to Calvary. And the the greatest um, emphasis of of what the the Bible does for us is that it shows us how to be saved. But the second thing that it does is it also teaches us what God's heart and God's mind is about how we should live once we are saved. And He doesn't just save us and then leave us to our own devices because the truth of the matter is our flesh nature is still there. And Paul, uh, we spoke about this last Sunday uh, when Paul said that uh, he found that when there was uh, good, that evil, there was a law that was uh, in his members that evil was present. And uh, when he would do good, evil was present. And so the, the truth of the matter is there's a whole book of instruction that God gives to his children. Uh, he gives to you and I as Christians to teach us how to live. Now, we all pretty much know this. This isn't new information to any of us here tonight. I wouldn't think. But uh, if I were to give the next several weeks uh, a title, I would probably uh, title it, How Do You Measure Up? How Do You Measure Up? And the reason I have, I've, I've come up with that thought is uh, the Bible gives us uh, standards. It gives us uh, specific things that God says, this is how we are to live our lives. And so when it comes to finding out, am I... Am I Growing in the grace of the Lord, am I, am I marching along in this Christian life, in this spiritual life? The only way that we can measure our progress is to come to Scripture and to evaluate where we measure up to it. And so we're going to take a, a few weeks, and we're just going to do probably one subject a week, unless we have just a short subject to deal with, but more than likely one subject a week, that we want to look at what the Bible has to say about how we measure up to it. It gives us some, some measurements, if you will, some standards, if you will, some uh, characteristics of uh, Christians that are growing or are strong in or are mature in that particular subject. And it would do us well to measure ourselves. If God has set us aside, He has sanctified us, He has consecrated us to be a royal priesthood, to be a holy nation, to be a peculiar people, and that we should show forth the praises of Him who hath called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, then we need to find out, am I achieving that? Am I accomplishing that? And it would do us well. I think, I think a lot of times 
uh, we put the Christian life on cruise control. And it's not that we don't read our Bibles. It's not that we don't walk with the Lord. But we don't really seem to be striving or being diligent at or, or pressing toward the mark of growing spiritually. Sometimes after being saved for a number of years, we kind of get lax in that area, don't we? We kind of, we kind of take our foot off the gas pedal a little bit. And we just feel like, well, we're just going to kind of coast right here for a while. And yet the Bible teaches us that we ought to be constantly growing until the time that we go to heaven. So let's look at a few passages of Scripture. I'm not going to give you a ton of them tonight. We're, we're going to go through a lot of verses, but they're all going to be in one chapter here in just a minute uh, once we get there. So you shouldn't have to do a lot of turning in your Bibles. But I do want to look at a few passages before we get to it. Let's turn first of all, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And this is just to lay uh, some foundation, some groundwork for uh, our topic tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And uh, really these will be kind of some foundational truths throughout the study. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll look at verse number 31. The Apostle Paul uh, writes this. He says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now, he's dealing here within the context of the Lord's Supper. And he talks about people who are eating and drinking unworthily. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that uh, the Lord will chasten us. And the truth is, uh, the, the statement that he makes here in verse number 31 is, saying, look, if you'll, if you'll evaluate yourself and you'll, check your, and you'll measure yourself with how you line up with Scripture, how do you measure up with Scripture, it will, it will keep you from having to be judged. Uh, it will keep you from having to be chastened by the Lord. It will keep you from having uh, other Christians that will have to look and say, uh, to come to you as a brother that's overtaken in a fault. So there's a necessity for us to judge ourselves, to look inwardly, uh, to say, how do I measure up? Uh, to what the Bible teaches as far as how I should live. Let's look in Matthew chapter 7. We, we actually uh, preached on this a few weeks ago. But I want to read the passage because, again, we see uh, a, a very important principle of Scripture given in uh, Matthew chapter number 7. We'll begin in verse number 1. And uh, we dealt with this a few weeks ago, how some people, uh, they, they don't want you to ever judge. They say we should love, not judge, you know, kind of thing. And so we taught on that. Uh, that's not The Bible does not teach us, by the way, that we're only to love and never judge. There is a judgment that we are supposed to do, and it's a righteous judgment uh, that is based on the Word of God. But he tells us here in chapter 7, verse number 1, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? That's a piercing question. We all too often are quick to find faults in other people. How long has it been since we sat down in the quietness of our hearts and looked inwardly and said, Lord, where is the fault in me? Where do I not measure up with Scripture? And he says in verse 4, Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. And so this idea of judging not, that's found in verse number 1, is not talking about never judging anything. It's talking about judging hypocritically. Because he says in verse number 5, thou hypocrite. In other words, if somebody judges this way, they're a hypocrite. They're not supposed to judge that way. Thou hypocrite. Notice this. He says first, so there's an order here. First, 
Cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Are we never to cast out the mote out of our brother's eye? That is not what the Bible says here. In fact, we are supposed to cast the mote out of our brother's eye, but not until we have cast out the beam out of our eye. Meaning then that I've got to look inward. I've got to say, where is the beam in my eye? How do I measure up? Are there some things that need to be dealt with before I can ever be a help to my brother who is overtaken in a fault? And those are questions we've got to ask. We are to judge ourselves. We're to measure ourselves. Now, how do we do that? Do we measure ourselves based on what we think is right or wrong? Okay? Do we measure, do we measure ourselves based on what others think is right or wrong? Well, wait a minute. What about other churches that believe the same way we believe are we to judge ourselves by what they think of us regarding right or wrong? Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because sad to say, in the day that we live, a lot of people are judging whether they are mature spiritually or not mature spiritually, whether they are growing spiritually or not growing spiritually, whether they are living godly or whether they are living ungodly by how they measure up to such and such church down the road or such and such Bible conference that they go to or such and such group of people that they identify with. That is never our unit of measurement. That is never our standard. Above all else, we must measure ourselves by what? By the Word of God. It is our measurement. Now look in Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter number 17, and this will be our last passage we go to before we get to our chapter that we're going to be in. Acts chapter 17. Let's look down to verse number 10. And oftentimes, this passage is used by Christians to teach the importance of Comparing what other people believe with Scripture. But understand that there is also not just an application of what other people are teaching. Does it line up with Scripture? But it also has a personal application here. Notice in verse number 10, the Bible says, "...and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea." who coming thither went into the synagogues of the Jews. Now he's speaking here of the people there of Berea. And he says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. And, and that's a good thing. But the thing that made them more noble was this, and searched the Scriptures, how often? Daily. Whether those things were what? They were judging not only what was being taught, but if those things were so, they wanted to be obedient to them. There, there, was a, there was a desire to know the truth of God's Word. And this is something that made the folks in Berea more noble than those of Thessalonica. And, and so there's, a, there's a, a, a principle of Scripture 
that is taught throughout the New Testament and, and I think would be easily seen, that you and I ought judge ourselves. We ought to measure ourselves. How often should we do it? Well, if we follow the example of the Bereans, we should do it daily. This is something that we ought to stop every day and, and compare our lives with the Scriptures. We ought to search the Scriptures. And if we see the truth in it, we find the truth that's there, then we need to live by it. We need to be obedient to it. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. And our first subject tonight is going to be, how do I measure up when it comes to my faith? Faith is, faith is kind of the foundational one. In fact, all of the others that we'll be dealing with kind of hinge on how we measure up in the area of our faith. It's kind of the foundation. It's kind of the cornerstone of all the other areas that we'll be looking at over the next several weeks. And so it's interesting that God oftentimes gives examples in Scripture. And he says, these are people that not only had faith, but this is how we know they had faith. This was, this was what characterized their maturity or their faithfulness. And so we're going to look at several things here. And we're going to begin in verse 1. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now we preached on this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to re-preach the first verse. But the first thing that faith produces... When it is mature faith, when we are growing, when we are diligently pursuing faith, uh, we are strengthening our faith day by day. The first thing that it produces is a confident expectation of the things that have not yet happened, but have been promised by the Word of God. A confident expectation. It, it makes it as if it had already happened. It's as solid in our minds as if it's already there. It becomes not just something that's off in the distant future, but it now becomes something of substance. We just we treat it as though it has already done. It's already done. And it gives us a confident expectation of the things that have been promised in Scripture, but have not yet been fulfilled. They've not yet happened. Faith will produce that. How do we measure up? In that aspect, in that characteristic of faith... How do we measure up? It's interesting that when Jesus was talking to disciples numerous times in Scripture, He called them, O ye of what? Little faith. And yet I look at the mighty deeds that they did. I look at the, the miracles that God used them to do. And I look at some of the things that, that they trusted the Lord Jesus in. When, 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 I'm amazed. When you understand the storm that they were in, that Jesus came walking on the water to them in, and he tells Peter to step outside of the boat. Can you imagine the kind of faith it took to step out of that? And yet he chastened Peter. He, he got on to him because of his lack of faith. I, I wonder how my faith measures up to biblical faith. If faith is the substance of things hoped for, how do I look at the promises that God's given me in Scripture that I've not yet seen? They've not yet come to pass. Do I treat them as though they are absolutely there? They, it's, it's as if they've already happened? Do I have that kind of confident expectation in them? Or do I kind of wonder in the back of my mind, well, it may may not happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. How strong are we on that? 
How strongly do we hold to the promises of Scripture? Are we absolutely confident? Is there an expectation? It characterizes strong faith. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Notice verse number 2. For by it the elders obtained a what? A good report. Look at verse number 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and he being dead, what? Yet speaketh. The second characteristic of mature faith, growing faith, thriving faith, is it produces a godly testimony that lingers. It produces a godly testimony that lingers. In verse number 2 it says, For by it the elders obtained a good report, and it talks about Abel's faith, so much so that it was, even though he's dead, the testimony of his faith yet speaketh. Can I tell you this? Our faith ought to be so great that when people look at the faith that we have, even after I'm dead and gone, they ought to be able to look at that faith and say, boy, that was mature faith. That was godly faith. That was strong faith. It ought to be an example to the believers. How do I measure up? If mature faith produces that strong of a testimony that is a lasting testimony... If it causes us to have a good report that even years after we're gone, people still look back at that and say their faith produced something great. How do we measure up in the area of our testimony? Do we have a good report? In verse 4 when it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was what? Righteous. Faith will produce a good testimony that will be a lasting testimony. Somebody said this years ago, it takes an eternity, it takes a lifetime to build your testimony. It takes just an instant to tear it down. And all the years that it takes to rebuild, and you'll never have the same testimony that you had prior to it. How do we measure up? When it comes to this thing of faith, how do we measure up? Look at verse number 3. The Bible says this, Through faith we what? Understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. It gives us understanding of the Scriptures. Strong faith will produce understanding of the Scriptures. You want to know if your faith is getting stronger and stronger? You'll begin to understand more and more of Scripture. If the Bible says it, you'll believe it. Somebody asked a young girl one time, an infidel, an atheist, asked a young girl that claimed to be a Christian one time. She said, he asked her, said, do you really believe that Jonah swallowed the whale? And he was trying to trick her by saying that Jonah swallowed the whale rather than the whale swallowing Jonah. And she said, no, sir. I believe that the whale swallowed Jonah. But if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe that too, sir, she said. Do we have that kind of faith? Do we have the kind of faith that if God said it, whether we even understand it or not, whether we believe it or not, does not even matter. We're just going to say, whether we agree with it or not, we're going to say, I believe it. 
If God said it, that settles it. So we need to have faith. It is a mature faith. How do we measure up? Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. Was there any eyewitness to the creation before man? We have to take God at His Word, don't we? Take some faith. How is our faith? How do we measure up? Number six, number, number uh, four. Verse number six. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them. And I want you to notice this phrase, that what? Diligently seek Him. They don't do it. They don't just give it the old college try. Let me use that phrase. They don't just kind of give it a haphazard effort. This is someone who pursues after God. They want to know God. They diligently seek Him. One of the characteristics of mature faith, growing faith, thriving faith is my desire to know not only about God, but to know God. I want to look for Him. I want to seek for Him. I want to, with my whole heart, uh, to, to follow after Him. That's a mark of strong and mature faith. How do I measure up? How's my desire to seek after God? Mature faith will diligently seek Him. Number five. Let's look down to verse number 8, if you will. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, if you're underlining things in your Bible, underline that next word, obeyed. You say, why is that so extraordinary? Because look at what it says afterwards. And he went out, what? Not knowing whither he went. God said, go. And Abraham said, okay, God, I'll go. He didn't say where. He didn't say, I need to know the map. You need to give me a map. And folks, there are sometimes that God will put something in our hearts, something He'll show us from Scripture, and we may not know the totality of where it's going to take us, but we're going to obey it. If it tells us that we're to do right, then we do right regardless of the cost. Why? Because God told us to do it. We're going to be obedient to Him. And mature faith, growing faith, will cause obedience. It will be manifested by that characteristic. You want to see somebody whose faith is strong, faith is growing, is somebody who comes to the Bible and when God says it, they just obey it. You know who's better at this than probably anybody in the world? Kids. For some reason, when we get to be adults, we think we know better. Kids just see it in Scripture and they say, that's what I ought to do. The Bible said it. That settles it. Faith will be manifest by obedience to His Word. Number six, look at the next verse, verse number nine. 
by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. This idea of sojourning, he, he goes around for years and years and years. God's trying to get him to a certain point in his life. Can I tell you this? Mature faith, faith that is growing, will move us to act upon what God has told us to do. It'll move us to action. Uh, there's some people that have been saved long enough that they come to church and they breathe in the good air and blow out the bad air and then they go home for the rest of the week and they feel like they've done their Christian duty. May we come to God's Word and see what it tells us to do and let it move us to action. God told Abraham to go. He obeyed and he went. He put some action to his faith. When faith is strong, when it's mature, when it's certain, when he looks at it as substance of things that are hoped for, it'll move us to action on what God has told us to do. So when we come to things in Scripture where God tells us to do certain things, we do it. We move to action. Next number that we're on. Uh, verse number 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker was what? Verse number 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is what? What city is that? Well, let's look down to verse 13 for a minute. He's talking about uh, some of the others, Sarah and, and some others that came after him. He says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the what? On the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is, and what? Heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Can I tell you this, that strong faith, mature faith, will cause us to focus on spiritual things. It'll cause us to think on the things of the Lord. It will give us a mind of heavenly things. It should not be in a Christian's life that the only time we think about God or we think about His Word is when it's time to go to church. Throughout our week, there ought to be things on our mind, heavenly things, biblical things, spiritual things. Because it's a sign of our faith. How do we measure up? How do we measure up? Is my faith such that my mind gravitates to things of a spiritual nature? I'm not saying your conversation has to do this every time. But are there occasions where when you're talking with an acquaintance or a friend... The conversation turns towards spiritual matters, and it's something that God has stirred your heart to bring to the conversation? Is our mind on spiritual things? Abraham, Sarah, and those that followed Abraham, they all died. Not having been there, but thinking of those things, 
looking for those things, pursuing after those things that were of a heavenly nature. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. They were looking for a heavenly city. I wonder what it would do to our lives if we lived with the idea that the Lord Jesus Christ could come back this instant. How would it affect our living? If we thought that by the end of this week, before next Sunday morning, that the Lord Jesus was going to return, how would that affect our life the next few days? Because the truth of the matter is He can do that. And if our mind is on heavenly things, it will affect our lives as if He is doing that and we knew about it. That's what faith does. It's kind of a little bit like character. It's, it's Character is doing things when nobody's looking, when you don't have to. Doing the right thing when, when nobody's looking, you don't have to. Thinking on spiritual things is to be able to think of things even if the Lord is not coming back this week. We're going to live as if He is. We're going to constantly be doing that. Why? Because our faith is strong. It's mature. It's growing. It's thriving. How do I measure up? When it comes to thinking on the things of eternal matters, do I think of them often? Do I allow my thoughts of them to affect the way I live today? How do I measure up? Look in verse number 23, if you will. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months by his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Let me just say this. Faith will help us to do right regardless of the cost. His parents knew the decree of the, of the king, that the babies were all to be put to death. His parents did the right thing regardless of what the cost may be. Not only did his parents do this, but I want you to notice something very interesting here, and I think it couldn't even be said that it is a biblical principle. By faith, verse number 24, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, notice this phrase, not fearing the what? Wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. I wonder where Moses got that kind of attitude from. Do you think maybe it was from the example of his parents? You think maybe that might have had something to do with Moses saying, I'm going to do what's right, even if it's going to cost me. I think there's a biblical principle found in there somewhere. Our faith will affect others. It will affect our families. It will affect our children. It will affect our spouses. Faith, mature faith, growing faith, thriving faith, strong faith, is a faith that will do right Regardless of the cost. If the wrath of the king is there, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do right. I'd rather suffer the affliction with the people of God than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I don't care if the king gets mad or not. 
I'm going to spare the life of my child. I don't care if the king gets mad or not. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to do what's right. That's faith. That is a strong faith, a mature faith. And the question is this, in that area of our faith, how do we measure up? It's almost like God gives us a tape measure of faith here in this book, in this particular chapter. It's almost like He says, this is a mark of strong faith. Here's a mark of strong faith. Here's a mark of strong faith. And on and on and on through this chapter, we're seeing these marks of strong faith. And the question is, how do I measure up to them? Look down with me to the end of the chapter. He talks about, as we get close to the end, he talks in verse number 32, he says, And what shall I more say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David and also in Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith do kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. And you can look at all of that list and say those are indications of strong faith. How do we measure up? Verse number 36, he doesn't name these. He just says, And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. And while these others, he mentioned, were delivered by God, we find that in verse number 36, he speaks of those who God chose not to deliver on this side of heaven. It says they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All the, And these all having obtained, I want you to notice this, a what? Good report through faith. Received not the promise. Faith will cause us to live godly with patience. It will cause us to live godly with patience. God may choose to deliver. God may not choose to deliver. But be it known unto thee, O King, the three Hebrew boys said, after they had said, our God will deliver us, but if not, be it known unto thee, O King, we will not bow. Faith will patiently, patiently live godly. We have a lot of Christians today, and the sad fact of the matter is, to some extent, all of us do this to some level. We live right when it doesn't cost us too much. Every one of us have some point where the flesh is so tempted, the cost is too great to do what's right. All of us have that point. We may not always know where it's at, but all of us have one. Are we willing to live patiently no matter what pressures are put upon us, no matter how much persecution? What if it came to 
trials of cruel mockings. What if it was a matter of enduring a scourging in order to hold fast to our faith? How would I measure up? How would you measure up? What if it came down to being in bonds or imprisoned for our faith? How would I measure up? How would you measure up? What about being stoned or sawn asunder? What about being slain with the sword? What about being destitute and wandering about in sheepskins and goatskins? What if we were afflicted and tormented for our faith? You see, it's easy for us to sit in our air-conditioned homes on padded chairs in the United States of America where there's some semblance of religious liberty and say, I've got strong faith. But how would our faith measure up if it were put to this test? Are we willing to live godly with patience and endure those things that may come? Look with me in verse number 1 of chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And here it is again, I want you to see it. And let us run with what? Patience, the race that is set before us. The things that God has instructed us in by way of our living in His Word. Am I willing to run it patiently? Now look in verse number 2. And we're almost done. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our what? I'm glad He's the author of my faith, and I'm glad He's the finisher of my faith. He continues to work on it. He continues to nurture it. He continues to help me grow stronger in it. Years ago, I helped some people pour concrete. and Dumping it in the hole was the hard work, but then comes even harder work. It's called finishing the concrete. It goes through a process of making that concrete to look exactly the way it should. I'm thankful that God not only is the author of our faith, but He also is one that works in us to help finish our faith. To make it become more of what it should be. And notice as he says this in verse number 2, he says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I say this? Faith will cause us to look to Jesus for the author and finisher of our faith. For us to grow in our faith, to help grow in the Christian life, we'll look to Him for our strength. That means I want to know what He has to say about the way I should live. I want to know what He has to say about how my faith measures up. And if it doesn't measure up, I want to try to meet the standard that He gives. Where am I going to find that? I'm going to find it in the Bible. He's the finisher of my faith. If I'm going to have my faith strengthened, perfected, and become what it should be, it's only one place I can go to. I can't go to a member of Keith the Heights Baptist Church and say, I need you to help me with my faith. I can't look to a pastor of a church and say, Pastor, I need you to help me with my faith. There's only one place I can look. 
It's easy to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, but how do I do that? I only have one source of knowing what the Lord Jesus has to say about my faith, and that's the Bible. So I'm going to go to it. I'm going to say, okay, how do I measure up? How do I measure up? And lastly, verse number 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be, what? Wearied and faint in your minds. Faith will cause us to not be weary or faint. It will keep us from giving up. It will keep us from quitting. It will quit, keep us from becoming so discouraged, so frustrated, that we just say, I'm done with it. True faith, strong faith, growing faith will keep us from being wearied, from fainting in our minds. It's almost like beginning in chapter 11, the tape measure of faith begins to come out. We lay it alongside of our lives, and as we go verse by verse, another measurement is made. And then another measurement, and another, and another, and another. Because God is the author, the Lord Jesus is the author of my faith, but He's also the finisher of my faith. I don't want God to have to chasten me for not measuring up. I would rather judge myself and look at Scripture and say, how does my faith measure up? Lord willing, over the next several weeks, we'll take one subject at a time, And we'll look into Scripture and say, how do I measure up? And see if we measure up to the Scriptures. And I hope it will be eye-opening. I'll tell you, as I've started working on some of these messages, it has certainly been eye-opening to this pastor. There are some things that I've had to look at and reconsider and say, Lord, I need to work in that area. I don't measure up. How do we measure up? Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful once again for the instruction of Your Word. And Lord, there are so many things that You have to teach us, to show us, regarding how we're to live. And I pray that You would not only help us to have the desire, because Lord, it's really it's, it's pretty easy to have a desire to live right. But then Lord, help us to go to the Scriptures and to measure ourselves to see how we're work, how we're coming along in this desire. To see how we're measuring up. To see, are we, are we growing in the grace and the knowledge of Your truth? Are we becoming more of what You would want us to be? And Lord, it's, it's more than just having a desire. It's being diligent in this area. It's to have a heart that 